Likuti Sikhes Chelik Yudzayin, Volume 17, the first Sikha for Parsha Tazriya. This Sikha will explain the effect of the special mitzvah of Bris Mila and the difference between the Bris Mila which was performed while the Yidin was still in Mitzrayim to the Bris Mila which we do nowadays. The Gemara, as well as the Medrash, concludes based on the verse that appears in our Parsha, verse 3 of chapter 12, where it says, Ubayoyim Hashmini Yimo that on the eighth day you have to circumcise a newborn baby. So the Gemara says that Molim Bayoyim Veloy Baloyla, that you can only make bris mila by day and not by night. Now it would, comes out according to this that this din, this rule in bris mila, that it could only be performed by day and not by night, actually was told to the Eden and went into effect only after the Eden had already received the Torah. In other words, prior to Matan Torah, prior to receiving the Torah, the Yidin were allowed, and in fact, as we'll soon see, they did perform the Bris Mila at night. The question is, why the difference? What is the difference between what happened before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah? That before Matan Torah, you can effectively have a Bris Mila at night, while after Matan Torah, it can only be take place by day. Otherwise, it's not really a valid bris. If one makes a bris mila after the day, meaning at night, then it's just like cutting flesh. It doesn't have the effect of a bris mila. So in order to understand it, we'll first visit a medrash, which tells us what took place on the night when the Eden left Mitzrayim. There were many, many Jews who refused to make a bris mila. All the time they were Mitzrayim, they didn't have a bris mila. It came the night of eating the Korban Pesach, and it says Hashem decreed on all the four sides of the world, all the winds, to suddenly let out a full force wind, which dragged with it, which drew with it an aroma, a wind from Gan Eden, and attached itself to the Korban Pesach of Moshe Rabbeinu, and the aroma became so overwhelmingly strong and so desirable that all the Yidin came running to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, we want to be part of this, we want to have a piece of your carbon Pesach. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, you can only partake in the carbon Pesach if you are circumcised. So immediately they went and they circumcised themselves. So what do you see from this? Two things. Number one, that in fact, they did circumcise themselves at night. And number two, that the commandment about circumcising themselves in order, as a prerequisite, in order to be able to eat from the carbon Pesach, only came that night. Moshe Rabbeinu did not tell it to them prior to that. They didn't know about it. It would seem that we need some explanation here. It needs to be understood. Because, number one, why is it that Hashem made it so that only at that night is when they became prompted to make, the, to make a bris milah? Why didn't Hashem do it prior to that? Perhaps Hashem could have done the same thing with the same results, with the same effect earlier that day, while it was still day, while they were roasting the carbon Pesach. Remember, this is only the time of eating the carbon Pesach that Hashem made this happen. And number two, why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't tell him about this mitzvah prior to that? Now there is indeed a mefoyrish, there is a commentary, namely the Yifei Toyar, who explains that this actually took place before it got dark. 
And he says, why? Because, number one, you're not allowed to make a bris meal at night. And number two, because you're not allowed to do any melacha, you're not allowed to do any work, any tasks on Yom Tif. And it was Yom Tif. The night of Pesach was Yom Tif. And therefore, it must be that it was done by day. But the Rebbe actually negates this, these two points. Number one, by what we've established, what we've said, that it comes out from the Medrash very clearly that this took place not at the time when they were roasting the carbon Pesach, rather at the time quote, when they were eating the carbon Pesach. Now, eating the carbon Pesach certainly was to be done and was done at night, the night when they left Mitzrayim, as it's clearly stated in the verses, in the Psukim. And number two, we do know that the, the day of, of Pesach in Mitzrayim, remember, there were only one day of Pesach in Mitzrayim, according to many, many opinions, was actually not a real full-fledged Yontif as we have it today, Meaning, there was no prohibition against doing melacha. And the reasoning for it is, because the way the, the verbiage is, is, is stated in the psukim and the verses, in regards to the prohibition of doing melacha over Pesach, it seems to be implying that only when you have a full seven-day Pesach, meaning only when you're forbidden to do melacha on the seventh day, are you likewise forbidden to do melacha on the first day. Thus, since they didn't have a full celebration of seven days in that very first Pesach, therefore it comes out that the first day was not forbidden in any way to do malacha. And the idea of being forbidden to do malacha is that when you do a bris mila, not in its proper time, meaning not on the eighth day, which was the case with these individuals, then you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. It does not push off Shabbos. It does not push off Yantif. So again, the Rebbe concludes that that is not the case. Furthermore, the Rebbe makes the argument based on another medrash that even according to the opinions that maintain that indeed even in Mitzrayim, even in the Pesach that they celebrated then, it was forbidden to do malacha, still it would come out that the way they performed the bris milah was fully acceptable and totally okay even if, I underscore, even if one should maintain that it was forbidden for them to do malacha, to do any tasks on Yontif. And that is the medrash that says that when they were told that they need to make a bris milah, they all took their own swords, their own swords that they had on their hips, and they circumcised themselves. Now this is based on a verse in Shir Hashirim that says, in regards to the strong men of Shloimeh, of course this is all metaphoric, it says, that each one of them are men who have swords and each one had their sword on their hip and the Medjish says that those are the swords that they used. And the question is, why the emphasis of the fact that they use their swords? Why a sword? And why emphasize and underscore the fact that it was their swords? And the answer is that even when it's forbidden to do melacha on Shabbos and on Yontif, the prohibition is only if you do it in the normal way that the malacha is performed. But in this case, a cherev, a sword, is not typically used in order to circumcise someone. It's not used for surgery, right? It's used for warfare, to engage in combat. And in this case, where they used it for the purpose of making a bris milah, and it's their own swords, meaning the swords that were not designated for any medical purpose, but rather for war, and here they use it for 
the purpose of circumcising themselves. So it's obvious that even if one should maintain that Melacha was forbidden even in Pesach Mitzrayim, in the first Pesach that they celebrated while still in Mitzrayim, that one day, still there was no issue, biblically speaking, with doing the Melacha, with circumcising themselves. So back to the question, why the difference? Why is it that Hashem made it so that they should do it at night? And why is it that the commandment for it didn't come until that very night? And the answer for it is, there's a verse in Tehillim, there's a verse in the book of Psalms that says, quote, Velayla kayoim yoyer, that the night shone, it shined like the day. That means that the, the, it was totally illuminated. And the Medrash tells us, the commentaries explain, that on the night when the Yidin left Mitzrayim, that night, where there was this great and absolute revelation of godliness, even the night was not dark. The night shined just like it shines in the middle of the day. And therefore, there was no issue with the mitzvah of bris milah. Even if one should say that it's forbidden to do a bris milah at night, it wasn't really night, it was day. However, this raises actually a question. The question is, we do know that they had other commandments that they had to perform that night. Namely, the consumption of the matzah, the carbon Pesach, the murrah, which are directly connected and are supposed to be performed at night, as we do today. And the question is, if you say that it wasn't really night, then how come they were able to perform those mitzvahs and they were able to, to perform them with full validity? If it's not night, then how were they able to do the mitzvah? So it comes out that we must say, that in regards to those mitzvahs, since they were commanded to do it specifically at that time, that in regards to those mitzvahs, it was considered night. But in regards to the mitzvah of bris milah, of circumcising themselves, it had the status of day. How do we explain this according to Chassidus? How do we understand this on a deeper level? That in reference to the bris milah, it was considered to be like day that the light that shined that night, the revelation of godliness was so intense, was so overwhelming, that it even pushed away the darkness. But in regards to the other mitzvahs, it did not. And the answer is as follows. We know that the entire idea, the whole concept of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, of leaving Egypt, of the celebration of, of Pesach, and as in the name Pesach, what does Pesach mean? Passover. As Rashi says, Pesach comes from the word Dilug, which means to jump over, to spring over, which means in Hasidic terms, this is this is beyond any limitation and measure. Because if you think about it, naturally speaking, it was impossible for them to leave, both from a physical material standpoint and from a spiritual one. Physically, it was impossible to leave Egypt. As we know, the Medrash tells us, Quote, no slave was able to escape from Egypt. There was nowhere to go. There was no way for them, not even one slave to leave, let alone millions of people who were enslaved under, under the, 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 um, the authority of Egypt. And spiritually speaking, we know that the Medrash tells us that the Yidin were so low, they were sunken into the very lowest level of tumor, of impurity, that they, God forbid, had they not left that moment, who knows what would have been, they would have been, it would have been irreversible, the fact that they would have been so attached and so sunken into, and so set into Tuma. How were they able to? 
How was it possible for them to be sprinted out of that? How was it possible for them to overcome these limitations? So a great oil, a great shine of godliness, an illumination of tremendous amount of godliness shined into Mitzrayim, shined at that moment that it overwhelmed any whatsoever medida vahagbala, any whatsoever measure and limitations. In other words, this was a total transcendence of the darkness, and therefore they were able to leave. And since this is what took place, and everything that happens in this world has to first take place, has to first happen in Torah, meaning whenever there is a revelation, whenever there is an effect in the world, first it has to happen in Torah. Torah sets the tone for everything. Therefore, first it happened in Torah that this came in a total transcending way, in a way that is totally out of order. Not that Moshe Rabbeinu advised them about this, commanded them this in advance, and, and they knew well in advance and were prepared that this is what they have to do. But rather it came, so to speak, like a shock. It came like in an extreme moment, in the time when they were actually supposed to already have been circumcised, and boom, that's when it shined on them, so to speak. This light, this revelation came on them right away. And where do we see an example for this? In the actual exodus from Mitzrayim, from Egypt. We see that what, what it was Mitzrayim. We know that Mitzrayim was a place which was, quote, Meleo Gilulim. It was full of idolatry. It was full of impurity, full of spiritual darkness, to the extent that Hashem never revealed Himself to Maish Rabbeinu in Mitzrayim. But at that night, the light of Hashem overwhelmingly pushed away the darkness and shined through. And they had, as it says, we say in the Haggadah, Nigla Aleyim Melech Malchim Alechem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem Himself, Hashem's presence Himself, His, His infinite light Himself, revealed itself upon them in Mitzrayim at that moment. This is how it came from the Torah's end. But also from the Yidin's perspective, they also had to have experienced, they had to do their part in, quote, revealing this light, in going from one extreme to another. And that's why the two mitzvahs that they had to perform that night, Pesach and Brismila, both of them are very much tied in and, and bring out the idea, the essence of this dilug, of this jumping over, of this process of not going through the normal order of things, but rather transcending, going from one extreme to another. And carbon Pesach, we know, the word Pesach means Passover. In other words, it's essentially the union of Dilug, the concept of springing over, and the mitzvah of bris milah. What is a bris milah? What does it do? We know the bris milah is something that brings a bris oilam, an everlasting covenant, meaning what is everlasting? Something that transcends any whatsoever limitations of time. That is inherently something which is a total transcendent, a total extreme revelation, one that shatters any whatsoever limitations and measure. And now we can understand why, why it's a very interesting halacha, very interesting din, specifically by these two mitzvahs. And let me preface. Ordinarily, if one fails to observe a mitzvah saseh, a positive commandment, there is no real punishment for the lack of doing a mitzvah. 
that any punishment we find in the Torah typically is associated with somebody having committed, having done an act which is against the will of the Torah, meaning somebody transgressed a negative command. They actually did something. There is an action. And for that, there is a punishment. The only two mitzvahs where we find that there is a punishment of kores. Kores literally means to get cut off. I mean, physically it meant that somebody would die younger, but it means that the soul gets cut away, chas gets severed from its source, from the source of the neshama, which is Hashem himself, is only by these two mitzvahs, by the mitzvah of Korban Pesach and by the mitzvah of Bris Milah, if one fails to make a Bris Milah. And the understanding based on what we said is that what is the idea that you go from one extreme to another? In other words, there's no in-between. There's no sedevadraga. There's no normal order of things. There's no process. It goes from one extreme to the other. In other words, either you are or you aren't. That is the idea of kares. Kares means that you get caught off. You're just not connected. In carbon Pesach and in the Bris Mila, it's either you're connected or you're not connected. And therefore... The mitzvah of bris milah had to specifically be done at night in a time when the light of Hashem, the infinite revelation of God's infinite light, became revealed and transcended the darkness and broke and shattered through all limitations, all darkness. It transcended all measure. That's when they were able to do this bris milah. That's when they were able to accomplish this and effect this. And this explains the difference between before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah. Remember the original question was why before Matan Torah was it okay? And it seems not only was it okay, but Hashem made an emphasis that it should be done at night. And after Matan Torah, it can only be done by day. Otherwise, the mitzvah of bris milah has not taken effect. And the answer is because at that time, what was required what was necessary was a total and absolute transcendence, an extreme measure, jumping from one extreme to another. And therefore it was done at night. It was done at night with the light affecting the night, pushing away the darkness, because they had to go from one extreme to another, as they effectively did as they left Mitzrayim. Whereas after we already received the Torah, where now every single yid, Regardless of who that Jew is, regardless of their performance or lack thereof of the mitzvahs, every single yid is already within the realm of Kedusha. We are not jumping from Tumah, from impurity to purity, but rather we're already on the side of Kedusha, on the side of purity, on the side of holiness, on the side of Hashem. Now what's necessary is to do it in a normal, orderly manner in going through the process. And a process, by definition, has measure and limitations and therefore the bris miller could only be done by day and cannot be done by night